What You Need to Know is brought to you by Morongo Casino Resort Spa. Good times, less than 90 minutes from wherever you are. Bill Oram is going to join us in a moment from The Athletic to talk about his story about Frank Vogel's job security. But first, Lauda, what do you got? All right. So, again, I'm doing a two-by-one today. So, one of my favorite guys has a movie out, Guillermo del Toro, Nightmare Alley, which got a release date on HBO Max for next month. So I'm super excited about that because he did it. Um, he got the rights and all this stuff from Disney. They, instead of coming out on Disney Plus, it's on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. But Lindsay did talk about how Netflix was bumping up their prices. Well, HBO's like, all right, Netflix, you want to raise your prices? Guess what? I'm going to lower my prices. Mm-hmm. So 20% off this month. So if you guys get in on HBO Max this month, you guys get 20% off. So I believe it's $7.99 to get HBO Max. Or wow. like you get seven ninety nine if you up for their one year um, contract thing. So yeah, instead of going up, they're going down, and I think that's a brilliant move. That is a smart move. That is a very smart move. Netflix is raising their prices; we'll lower our prices. That is yeah. a really smart move. Yep. I would agree. That I mean, I think HBO Max is better anyway. If you ask is me, it? Is it I really? think so. I never really? watch Netflix anymore. It's I never watch Netflix either. Gosh, I yeah, never I got watch my HBO bill. Max. Yesterday it was nineteen ninety nine for Netflix. And I'm like, what am I paying twenty dollars a month for? It's terrible. Yeah. Sorry. That's all right. Just not a big fan of everything. Yeah, I, I just think it's smart branding. Yeah, I would agree. You know, like it's really good. Now, Guillermo del Toro, by the way, also an excellent uh director, uh, you know, so and writer. So uh, I am curious to see his next series of works. So that will be fun. But good on HBO Max. Um I look, if you're by the way, if you're HBO Max, you also still have you know, the HBO, Time Warner money, all that stuff. So you can afford to lower your prices a little bit, too. Let's not, yeah, you know, let's That's not That's really that. cool. I yeah. like that. But smart, smart move. All right, uh, Kaplan, let's put your question to me on hold uh, for a moment. Let's talk about, let's talk about uh, Frank Vogel, friend of the show. Let's just put that on the, on the front end. He's a big fan of when we discuss food on the show. Uh, which, you know, maybe we can talk about with Bill Oram. I feel like he's also a fan of food from The Athletic, who has a story out with Sam Amick of, uh, about Frank Vogel's job security. So before we get to that, I have questions for you. All right, we were discussing earlier chocolate cake because Andy Reid, I don't know if you saw this quote, said that winning the Super Bowl is like eating the greatest chocolate cake that you could ever have, where the, you know, extra frosting and multiple layers. Is double chocolate cake the best cake one can eat bill orham i i i am so uh not not prepared for this question um Stop, but i this is I, I happen i happen to i happen to think that like a nice a nice lemon cake maybe a lemon pound cake is Ooh. is the best cake i'm more lemon. of a i'm more of a a fruit sweets as opposed to chocolate guy personally so huh. give me skittles over m&ms and give me a lemon cake Wow, wow. That's Skittles a great over M&M's. That is a huge upset right, right. now. Or no. I don't even know if we'll let you continue this interview. To no, be it's a good answer, though, because, yeah. you know, when you were unprepared for the question, <laughs> to think on your feet that quickly. Very good nice job, job Bill. No. Good job. Good nice job. Work. Good job. All right. All right. So, Thank you. Yeah, there you go. Now, here's another thing we just talked about. Rich Basaccia, who is the interim coach of the Raiders, um, he did something really nice for his players after they lost to the Bengals. He wrote 70 hand written thank you notes when was the last time bill Oram wrote a handwritten thank you note to anyone well i i will tell you that my my in-laws are big thank you note people and it Ooh. very much chaps my wife that i have not written a thank you note for my uh, birthday gift from my in-laws 
uh, two months ago. So I probably need to do that as soon as I get off the phone. But I do want to give a quick shout out to Kyle Goon of the Orange County Register, who is a a modern day master of the handwritten note and continues to write handwritten birthday notes, Christmas cards. Uh, If you are in Kyle Goon's circle, you get a handwritten note and uh, they are always lovely. So it is um, a very classy one much more recently than me. No doubt. It's a classy move. Now, let me just add one last thing. And this is what I was saying before the break. If you want to really class up a handwritten note, you have a pre-printed notepad that says, from the desk of Scott Kaplan, from the desk of George Sedano. I used to get them all the time, from the desk of Dick Emberg, uh, from the desk of Lou Holtz. When you receive a handwritten letter from the desk of somebody, Bill, that takes it to a new level, my man. I mean, I would prefer to, uh, to get a note from the person himself as opposed to from, from his desk. I mean, look at his desk. That's an excellent say. point. Uh, why why would you want the note point. from the desk? That's a solid yeah. point. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a solid. great point. But you, you know, know why sitting did there. Dick Enberg's desk sent it to you? People would be like, really? That's kind of weird. I don't know. At um, the end of it, it said, oh, my. So I thought yeah. it was from Dick, not the desk. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. You said that your wife's been getting on you because you haven't written your in-laws a handwritten note. Thank you, note for your birthday gift. Like, when you're saying she's getting on you, like, is this like a daily occurrence? No, it, it was more like on like a week after my birthday, she said, please write my parents a thank you note. It's really important to my family. Oh. And that was a month and a half ago. And I said, <laughs> so I just said, I know it chaps her. And I'm sure it's like, it's like under her skin, just waiting to burst. Probably if I mentioned this conversation to her and remind her, I haven't yet sent the note. Yeah. I mean, for the love of God, though, Bill, you travel like 17 million days out of the year. Like, you know, I mean, I get, you know, it's, you, and you're sleeping on planes. Like, I, you know, it's, you don't live the easiest life. Do you say things like, can I just send an email? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I sent a text, and, uh, you know, that was, you know, so so far, I, I think I'm still in the good graces. But okay. um, the more this go, this conversation goes on, the more yeah, um, trouble. more opportunity for them to realize that <laughs> I uh, have fallen short of my son-in-law expectations. <laughs> All right. Well, let's find out if Frank Vogel has fallen short of expectations. Um, what I, I read your story. For those that didn't get a chance to read your story with Sam Amick, uh, in The Athletic, you should, and by the way, you should support The Athletic and support journalism in general, whether it's The Athletic or The LA Times. Subscribe to these papers, uh, to these outlets, because we should all be supporting actual journalism, especially in the day and age of misinformation. Um, so, uh, what is the genesis of your story? What is the status, I guess, of Frank Vogel's job? Well, I mean, Frank Vogel, I mean, just to not bury the lead, Frank Vogel is currently, you know, in, you know, in in okay standing with the Lakers, you know, I, I think it was pretty widely understood within the organization that if the Lakers had another repeat type performance of their 37 point loss in Denver on Saturday, if something like that followed on Monday, um, the Lakers were pretty prepared to make to make a, a change. Um, and said they got a really a really strong performance. But one thing that we were told throughout the reporting of our story was, you know, this was bigger than a single game. It was bigger than a single performance. So. You know, the, the evaluation of Frank's job status is ongoing. It's game to game. And, you know, this this is something that is kind of being evaluated, you know, in real time. You know, the Lakers can't, you know, have that nice win, win of the year against the Utah Jazz, that great defensive effort, um, great energy, and then come out and get and get spanked by Indiana or go on the road and lose in Orlando. Um, you know, Magic Johnson set the tone with his tweet. You know, Laker fans deserve better. It's okay to lose games. Uh, it's not okay to to you know be you know, play with less effort than the opponent. And then LeBron, you know, said you know could follow that up with his apology. 
And so that really raised the temperature. Those two things really raised the temperature uh, around the Lakers on Frank Vogel. And, you know, we got a temporary reprieve. I think that, um, you know, nobody is looking at that, at that win against the Jazz as anything other than a, um, a big step for this team. But we've also seen the Lakers seemingly take a step this year, whether it was the, the home win against Boston or, you know, that great moment on the road in Dallas when Austin Reeves hit the three. Those moments have kind of all been followed up by letdowns and losing streaks. And the Lakers are 500, and that is not where they were supposed to be. That was not the expectation when they went out and got a third uh, All-NBA player in Russell Westbrook, a former All-NBA player in Russell Westbrook. So, um, you know, it's tense times, but the Lakers at least have, you know, a recent major win to point to, and Frank Vogel has a major recent win to point to to say, guys are responding to him, they got the effort they needed, and, and it's moving in the right direction. But you know, it's a one-game sample size. So, you know, it's just an it's just an ongoing situation. Bill, I thought one interesting paragraph, it read like this. Throughout the organization, from owner Jeannie Buss to general manager Rob Palenka and James on down, the message being sent is the same. And I just thought it was interesting the way that it went from Jeannie to Rob to LeBron because it just kind of goes to show you that, at least the way you guys reported it, um, Vogel's not really, he's not really involved. You know, LeBron comes way ahead of, of the coach. So I would argue that this coach can't really coach this team because he's not really a part of it. It's, it's between the owner, the general manager and the top player. What do you think about that? I think it's, I think the power structure has been, has been pretty well established in the sense of, you know, LeBron's camp has a major, major voice in terms of, you know, really all, uh, all, all, all matters of, you know, the team, the roster, the direction of, of, of the team. So, you know, I mean, I think, I think that paragraph that you referenced was, you know, really referencing the view everyone has of the coach. So it was not intended to, you know, highlight that Frank is um, on the outside looking in of that group. But in terms of the people who set the expectations for the coach, right. Those are, those are the um, kind of the, the, the torchbearers, and and that is where that that message has been has been made very clear that the Lakers have fallen short, and that the coaching staff then needs to rise uh, raise their level. But um, yeah, I mean you're absolutely right that you know LeBron has a massive voice. You know Russell Westbrook is here uh, primarily because LeBron James recruited him here, and you know was able to put the wheels in motion to to get that deal done. Um, and, and same with a lot of the other guys on the roster were recruited by LeBron James and, you know, Anthony Davis and, you know, kind of the, the rich Paul machine. So it's, um, you know, a lot of this year is also on LeBron, you know, not just with his performance on the floor, but, you know, with the, the direction of the franchise, the, the direction they went in last summer when they completely dismantled, you know, a team that while it lost in the first round, certainly, you know, was in pretty good shape before the injuries to LeBron and Anthony Davis, um, so, you know, it's just, there's just a lot of, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of fingers in the pie here in terms of, of where the season has gone wrong. And, and the person who, you know, seems the only, the only person who can pay the price at this juncture, right? Because Rob Link is not getting fired. LeBron James isn't getting fired. The only person who can pay the price for the fact that they haven't gotten to where they expected to be is, you know, kind of, is their sort of lame duck coach, a coach on a one-year contract extension. Bill Orma, the Athletic, wrote a great story. Um, if you know, in the sense of 
not great for Frank Vogel, but great as far as the information is concerned with Sam Amick of The Athletic. Um, he joins us here. So, real quick, last one for us. Let's just say in a hypothetical situation, Frank is let go. What are the alternatives there? Are, are, is it someone on the staff? Would they potentially go outside? Would you, is that something you even know? Like, like what, what would the alternatives be in that situation? I mean, I think that's still being sorted out. I mean, the Lakers have two assistants who are um, whose names I've heard. Obviously, David Fizdale is the obvious choice. He coached the Lakers when uh, Vogel ended up in the health and safety protocols back in December and missed you know half a dozen games. I mean, that was not a successful stretch for the Lakers. The Lakers got a look maybe of what it looked like with David Fizdale, but at the same time, they were extremely short on players and down down, down their head coach. Um, you know, Phil Handy is a guy who you know whose name has gotten mentioned as a as a potential. Uh, interim, if, if it comes to that. And, and listen, you, whether it's on the bench or just as a voice, you know, the person who's going to have a major, major role in all of this and, and the direction of the coaching staff and the team is Kurt Rambis, who is a two-time NBA head coach, did not have much success as a head coach, but Kurt Rambis is a, you know, is a wildly influ- influential member of the front office. He has, you know, we reported that he has been sort of the, the hammer uh, on, the, on the coaching staff. He's the one who has um, earlier this season, basically delivered the message that if things didn't get better, everybody was you know in, at risk of losing their jobs. Uh, and you know, so whether uh, Rambis stepped in in some sort of coaching capacity when uh, they were down a man on the bench and again in the event that happened, or if he just made his uh, impact known, kind of from his front office perch, he would have a huge voice in things too. Uh, Bill Orm of the Athletic does fantastic stuff. work. Again, yeah. subscribe to the Athletic. Uh, Bill, thank you for joining us here. Uh, hopefully, we didn't get you into too much trouble uh, with your in-laws. Uh, you know, just get get around Write to the note, note. dude. Right, yeah, just get around to note, it, man. Yeah, get around to it. Like seriously, it's yeah, not that, that big a deal. Grief. I'm going to yeah. be writing. I'm going to be. I'm going to be writing a handwritten apology note now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, may, both. You two for one. There you go. Right, uh, Bill. Thank you for the time, brother. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. See you. There he is, Bill Orm. Uh, all right. You know what? As we were talking, the L.A. Times has come out with a version of their story uh, of this whole Frank Vogel saga. And there's some stuff in here that has... We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Thank you, Christopher. There are a lot of birthdays on January 17th. It is the greatest birthday day of celebrities. He mentioned so many of them. Um, There are more. Michelle Obama, I don't know if he mentioned. Um, that one? Steve Harvey. I don't know Steve if he Harvey. Mentioned. When he mentioned Steve Harvey, he, he mentioned Steve Harvey sixty-five. He did. he did. Okay, he mentioned Steve Harvey now, sixty-five years old. So here and th- check out this. If you like electronic music, EDM, two yeah. of the best DJs like who've ever done it, uh, Calvin Harris and DJ Tiesto. Uh, also January seventeenth. Uh, if you're an NBA fan, Dwayne Wade. Uh, January seventeenth. Uh, who else am I missing here? Uh, oh, Ray J. Uh, also, January 17th. There's a lot of January 17th birthdays. Jake know. Paul, Steve by the way, I, Jake Paul. I, I, wait, when he said Jake Paul's 25, I was like, that's it? That's yeah. all Jake Paul is, is 25? Yeah. yeah, he mentioned so many names, I didn't catch them all, but yeah. Yeah, but I, I caught a few. Oh, Pokemon's really? I didn't hear Pokemon. Birthday? No, because he said I didn't catch them all. 
Oh, no, I missed that. Yeah, I didn't uh, know. Steve Harvey, I, I thought you mentioned like I thought you were trying to say Pokemon's birthday was no, yesterday. like yeah, Pokemon got to catch also. them all. Yeah, no, I got I, it. I got I it now. Afterwards, yeah, I didn't get it. I didn't get it either time. Jim Carrey, sixty years old. Okay, didn't know that. Jake Paul's twenty-five. I didn't realize he was so young. Jim Carrey looks good for sixty. I haven't seen him in a while. I can't believe that Maury Povich is eighty-three. I know that's crazy. Who yeah. said I'm not the father? One of I yelled that out, yeah. Maury Povich, 83? Yeah. Wow. I wonder how old... He was married to Connie Chung, right? He is, yes. I wonder how old she is then. Uh, probably close to 83, is my guess. Hmm. Maybe in their 70s? There's a lot of, a lot of right birthdays. He's 75. Chung, 75, yes. She is 75. A lot 20th. of birthdays he threw at us. Yeah. Well, I'm telling you, January 17th is the best birthday, famous birthday day. Yeah. Uh, all right. So real quick, thanks to Bill Oram for joining us there. Uh, here's the deal. Dan Wojcicki of the L.A. Times actually just put out a story within like the last hour or less than an hour, 538. So within the last 40 minutes or so. Um, and he's got his own version of the story. Now, he's got a lot of the stuff that's in there um, about Frank Vogel, similar stuff. What I would add, though, is something – it's funny because, you know, Bill Oram mentioned Kurt Rambis, right? right like Kurt right. Rambis is coached, and mm-hmm. maybe he could be an alternative. You said he's the uh, hammer. He is the hammer. Well, so much so that Dan Wojcicki says in his L.A. Times story that just dropped within the last 40 minutes that Rambis has uh, previously had been attending coaches' meetings on, like, Zoom or virtually or right. FaceTime or whatever. Mm-hmm. Rambis attended Lakers pregame's coaches' meetings in person at the arena for the first time this season – after only attending virtually, Rambis advocated for the Lakers to use larger lineups with Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan, according to people with knowledge of the situation. Listen, man, let me explain something to you. Um, I think that there are lineups with Dwight that are really good. Like we talked about this a lot last week where, you know, him and Russ, I think, have, have a good chemistry. I think him and LeBron have a good chemistry. DeAndre Jordan, who I like personally a lot, we had him on the show. I think he's a good dude. I don't know if he is a player you need to be playing more in today's NBA at this stage of his career that's just me look I didn't play on championship Lakers teams like Kurt Rambis did I'm just saying I have a difference of opinion here and I'm trying to be respectful of it well um, but, let but me, that let me, would not be the move I would make but let me let me ask you this first and foremost yeah remember being in high school when the principal or the dean would come in and sit in in your class and yeah. your teacher really had to be on that day because the pressure yeah. was on Right. Well, what do you think it's like to be a championship caliber NBA head coach and have Frank, have Kurt Rambis in there like dictating to you? Right. Yes. Well, not only that, but I mean, you know, you, you start thinking about the resume. Look, Kurt Rambis was a Laker fans loved Kurt Rambis. He was a character, the glasses, the the diving for every ball. He was a heart and soul kind of player. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah, he and was. he's and he's been a part of the Laker family. Yeah. His entire life, even as he left and he went and coached in other places, he was still ultimately part of the Laker family. And now Correct. it seems like Kurt Rambis has more of Jeannie and Rob's ear than he, ever before. He has a lot of juice, yeah. And, and I wonder if you're Frank Vogel, if you're looking at him going, hey, dude, um, so, you know, I know you coached a bunch in the league and everything, but, you know, I, you, you're not Pat Riley. You're not Phil Jackson. You know, you're, you, you're just Kurt Rambis here and. I understand you got the ear of, of the top execs, but you're going to come in here and, and sit in on my meetings. Like, I wonder if Frank takes it like that, like Big Brother's watching, or 
is Frank the kind of guy that goes, hey, Kurt, you know what? I'm glad to tap into your experience. No, I think I'd the latter. I, 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 I think Vogel is the, is the guy that's the latter. Now, I don't. Now, I think that's what he says, and maybe he does believe that, but maybe there's a little bit of both, right? Like, you know, internally, like, he, he must feel – maybe he feels a little bit like the first example. Um, but externally, there's no way Frank Vogel is pushing back on that. No, no way. No, no, Because no. I just know that Frank is too good a dude um, to to not take the second approach that you mentioned. Right, but but you, you do outwardly. wonder – you do wonder, though, if, if Frank and his entire coaching staff yeah. Who everybody knows, Kurt, they know his playing career, they know his coaching career, they know what he does for the organization, but do they look at Kurt Rambis like, well, the uh, the owner's spy just showed up, you know, because uh, Kurt's going to just go back and he's going to report everything he heard and everything he said. And by the way, Kurt didn't just come down here with his own opinions. Kurt probably sat with Rob and whoever else is in the brain trust. Maybe he's talking to magic off on the side and he's saying, hey, look, here are the ideas that I'm delivering. We sign these guys. We've got these big bodies. We don't. We don't feel like we're using them, and we think that would be the better way to go, Coach. Yeah, I, I mean, perhaps that stuff is, uh, you know, perhaps that stuff is 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 happening, and perhaps they do look at them. I don't know because I haven't had any. Of these, I don't know because I don't have. I haven't had any of these conversations, right? Like all this information is new to me. So I, I mean, look. Give me a couple days. Maybe I can find out some stuff for you. Is well, what let I me would say. let me throw this also out there. Yeah. Does does this make the Lakers organizationally sound like everybody's on the same page, or does this make the Lakers sound dysfunctional? Like we've got a former player and coach who now works in our front office, who now spies on our coaching staff and reports back to the ownership. Or perhaps you're listening to this and you're going, no, dumbass, that's pretty standard stuff. You know, the owner's got uh, I somebody. I mean, look, it, it, look, I would say this. In the story, in the LA Times, it said he participated virtually regularly, right? So I don't think it's just, I mean, the, the big difference is he's coming in in person. And the other big difference, at least the way it was written, and again, I, I don't know this to be fact. But the way it was written, it comes across as he doesn't give – this was the first time he gave, like, his own piece of input on what they should be doing. you imagine being in Frank Vogel's position right now? I got Kurt Rambis telling me what my lineup should be. I got guys that aren't giving me their max effort, and they're publicly acknowledging it. I got younger guys – who seem to want it more than the older guys, which, by the way, everybody's talking about roster construction. How about what everybody said at the beginning of the year? This roster's old. Well, guess what? The young guys are the guys that are bringing the life to the team right now, guys that are completely from out of nowhere. Man, Frank Vogel is in. Like, they're, they're, I bet you he goes to sleep at night. And he's like, oh, somebody just fire me already. Somebody fire me, write me a check, let me go on vacation, and I'll have a head coaching job next year where I can actually coach the team. You think that he's doing that? I don't know, man. I don't think anyone wants to get fired, Cap. I don't think that's the case. But if you have a really nice payoff, getting fired sure, is not so but bad. you don't. You have a one-year payoff, right? But Frank Vogel is a very employable. He is. Championship he will absolutely. Coach. He will absolutely coach again. There is no question if he gets let go. But right. No question. Nobody's, nobody in the NBA is going to look at Frank Vogel and go, "You know what? He had LeBron James." He's a terrible no, coach. No, because he had teams that were on the cusp of getting to the finals before that. Yes. People around the league are smart enough to know 
that it is extremely difficult to coach guys who have this much power and who make this much money. You know, it's, it's, it's just not an easy thing to do. And, and again, that's why my question is, does this make the Lakers look solid? Or does I, I don't think it makes them look great. No, that, to answer your question, I think it, it makes them look more like the latter. Yes, and it sucks because it's coming off the best win of the season by a long shot. Yeah, and you know what else that sucks about it? Is that, is that winning this game last night was such a big win and such a actually a surprising win that yeah. it really has in in many ways George and and the the stories that have been written subsequently it has taken the headlines away a little bit from the Rams who you know listen they were at home there were there well, were well but that's marks. just the, that's just the town dude. I understand like, but you know, you're, you're I know I get it but what I'm saying is is like you know you're you're Kevin Demoff this afternoon you're staying cranky you're driving around you're going Gosh, these guys are talking more about the Lakers who had like one win. We just want a playoff game last night. Yeah, because you know what? It, it everything they do is controversy. I mean, that's just the yeah. way it goes, you know? Yeah. yeah. All right. Coming up next, we'll talk about this more tomorrow, I'm sure, because now that we have the Orem part of the story and the Dan Wojcicki part of the story in the LA Times, there's a lot to get to. Um you know, we'll go to Big Deal or No Deal next. We can continue this discussion in the last segment of the show. Big Deal or No Deal, everyone's favorite segment here. in the Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win download espn bet today what a play must be 21 plus and present in select states gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply see app for details this podcast is proud to be supported by jets pizza the number one pick in detroit style pizza why it's simple jets is better with the thickest crispiest cheesiest detroit style pizza in the country there's no competition right now get five dollars off any eight corner pizza with code eight save that's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Thank you, Christopher. Linz, what do you got? I think we need to change it to say, take that away. Take it away, Lindsay. With his funny little voice that he does. Maybe. yeah. Anyway. So Walmart is ready to claim its place in the metaverse. Ooh, the company yeah. has publicly announced its plans to invest and expand into the metaverse where people can interact digitally using avatars. It's the easy way to explain it for you, Cap. Walmart lists a variety of virtual goods in its plans that it plans to sell, including electronics, appliances, apparel, home goods, toys, and personal care products. It also plans to create its own cryptocurrency payment method and collection of NFTs. Is this a big deal or no deal, Sedano? Big deal. I keep telling you, this stuff is coming whether you like it or not. The entire crypto uh, marketplace is no longer a fad. It is worth $2.5 trillion with a T, uh, the entire marketplace, and it's only going to get bigger. It Look, long story short, people, uh, millennials, feel like they got shortchanged by the, uh, the boomers, and they're like, we're going to create our own system. Um, you can have yours. We'll partake in both, and we're going to have an edge in this one, uh, and, you know, you can kind of do your thing. Uh, so I, I think that 
companies are smart. A lot of developers and venture capitalists are coming into this space as well. And this thing will only continue to grow. And a, a company like Walmart is only the perfect example of that. Yeah, I'm going to also go big deal here because I think when people who are skeptical about what the metaverse is and why they're going to need to be a part of it and you know how many people do they know right now that are living in it, etc., I think when you start to hear big name brands like Walmart participating in it and talking about cryptocurrency and how you might be able to buy differently in the future, when you hear companies like that, I think the average person goes, Okay, um, this thing's happening with me or without me. Whether I like it or I don't, this thing's happening. So I think big deal. Oh, so you're finally on, you're finally on board with that. Well, I mean, I know it's happening. I just like, can I ask you guys a question? Do you know anybody who's currently metaversing? Yes, plenty of people. I, I, I talked to a friend yesterday who said he listens to um, the Joe Budden podcast. And one of Joe Budden's pod, uh, co-hosts said he watched a Lakers game courtside in the metaverse. That's really cool. That sounds cool. Like he was courtside at a Lakers game. Like that's awesome. That sounds like something that uh, is interesting to me. So yeah, I'll, I, I'm. I want to get. Um, what are they called? The Oculus. I really want to get one. So I mean, we need to like do reads for them or something. Is that what we anyway. need to do? Okay. Yeah, I, I want an Oculus, but they're too expensive. Our they Oculus are is just the VR goggles. Is that the deal? Yes. Yeah, that's like the main, the main one. How much are they? The most popular one. I think they're like 250, 300 bucks. Mm. kind of a lot so yeah but I, I need one we could all have like our virtual pre-show meetings like through the metaverse then cap okay i'd be down how would you that. like that i'd like that yeah i know i'm sure you would i'm sure you would all right next one so people in britain are gonna have to start relying on their noses rather than their eyeballs when they're detecting whether or not their milk is still good to drink a major supermarket chain has announced that it's going to be eliminating the use by dates on milk sold in stores they want to reduce all the enormous quality quali quantities of milk that are thrown away due to consumers misunderstanding printed expiration dates. The company says, quote, customers should check milk by holding the bottle to their nose. If it smells sour, it might be spoiled. If it's curled and it has lumps, then it's also a sign it should not be used, which, you know, it's pretty obvious. Is removing use-by dates on milk a big deal or no deal, Cap? For me, it's a big deal because I live by use-by dates. So if I see something and today is January 18th and it says use by January 16th, I'm like, okay, I didn't use it by January 16th. Guess I better throw it out. When in reality, you smell the cheese or you smell the milk. You're like, smells fine to me. You know what? Let me feed it to the dog and see what happens first. And then, then I'll eat it. But seriously, why don't they just back the dates up? to the dog. Well, like this, like oh today, gosh. I had like I had like a rotisserie chicken in the uh, in the refrigerator. It's a few days old. I opened it up. I smelled it. I'm like, smells all right to me. And then I gave it to the dog. He ate it. As long as he wasn't throwing up or whatever, it was still good. He's good, right, Jack? He's sitting right next to me here, George. He's also heavy, so I see you feed him a lot. Actually, he makes a lot of noise. Can you guys hear him during the show? No. Okay, good. No. He snorts a lot. I mean, he's a pug, right? No, he's a French bulldog. Oh, whatever. Close enough. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they both do kind of similar things. I've almost got like offended. Sedano, how, pug. How, my my dog would get offended too. Yeah. Sedano, how do you feel about the use, the use by dates? Uh, I think they're necessary. So I think it's a big deal that they wouldn't be there. I know that those things also are sell by dates um, generally, but I, I still feel like they're a decent gauge. 
personally. Uh, now, some of them say open by or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, I, I'm good on having the dates, man. Like, I, you know, I don't do – the smell test to me doesn't always necessarily work because something has smelled fine and then uh, something else hasn't smelled so fine uh, a couple hours later. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was a Kaplan line if I ever heard oh, one. Oh, yeah. that's good. All right, next one. So mm-hmm. Laura mentioned it earlier that Guillermo del Toro's new movie is headed to HBO Max next month. Yeah. And apparently Bradley Cooper casually does some full frontal nudity in it. Oh. So the movie's called Nightmare Alley. And in case Whoa. you haven't heard much about it, it's a psychological thriller that takes place at a carnival. And it stars Bradley Cooper along with Tony Collette and Kate Blanchett. The script called for Bradley to bare his naked bod during a scene that involves his character in a bathtub. So this is the first time that Bradley Cooper has done full frontal nudity on screen, and he himself called the experience a big deal. Do you guys agree? Yeah, I would say it's a big deal. First of all, you don't get a lot of that, uh, particularly with men, because uh, men's bodies, I, I, I mean, I can say this as a man, like are not as attractive as women's bodies, generally speaking. Like, a, a, a woman, I would say, her body could be, I think, is a piece of art. Like, and it's why back in those days, like back in, you know, ancient times, there were a lot more sculptures of women and their nudity than men. Um, but I think it's a big deal, especially because, I mean, if he thinks it's a big deal, then why? Am, who am I the hell, the hell am I to disagree with it? So uh, there's that aspect of it as well. So I would say big deal question really is going to come down to hey bradley is it really a big deal or is it a little deal because now oh that you've God. shown the world what you've got going on <laughs> yeah. now the world is going to decide whether or not you're being naked is a big deal or no deal here's a bitter question for you guys you ready mm-hmm. would you do a nude scene george would you be seen on camera full frontal nudity that's a great question um i've never really thought of it um Again, don't think the man's body is as attractive as a woman's body uh, in, when it comes to nudity. But, yeah, I'm not, like, anti-nudity, so I don't care. So I guess, yeah, sure. You're pro-nudity. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I think if we really want to get my thoughts on this, uh, I think that sometimes in this country we're a little bit, quote-unquote, quote puritanical uh, about nudity, and I think it cr- creates repression, particularly amongst children. Uh, as they get to the age where they should start learning about sexuality. This is just my opinion. You don't have to agree with it. Um, and I think it becomes too taboo. Uh, and I don't think that that should be the way that we uh, we teach sexuality. Uh, or, you know, in that regard, or sex or whatever. You know, like, I don't know if I'm using the proper term with sexuality or sex, but you kind of, you understand what I'm saying. I think that we treat sex as this sin um, because, again, of, certain you know people's beliefs and that's fine they are they're more than willing to you know i'm willing to understand that other people that people have beliefs i I just think that overall it's not the healthiest thing psychologically that's just my personal opinion i'm going to be a whole lot simpler about this a if a director uh said to me hey we need you to be completely full frontal nude in this film my answer is of course naturally i mean don't of of course you need me to be naked (laughs) i mean that's number one obviously (laughs) and then number two I got to be in the right state. I'm not, not like, no, not at, if you call me for my dressing room and you go, Kaplan, we're ready. It's time for your nude scene. I'd be like, hold on. It's not, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not right now. All right. Now you're getting to the TMI portion. Yeah, I think every guy, yeah. I think every guy listening is like, I understand what you're saying. 
Sure, but you have to think it's Hollywood. They know what they're doing. I don't think that Bradley Cooper is going on screen and bearing anything without, A, like, you know, making sure that he's in the, quote, right frame of mind, as you call it, or B, like, he wants to, you know, it has to be flattering to him, I guess. You know, I'm assuming he, he would want that. And I, I would do it, like, and I think Sedano's right. The Our culture in general seems to, like, a tendency to sex shame people. And it's just, like, you like what you like, you do what you do, like, it's none of my business, none of your business, like, you know, let people do what they want to do with their bodies. Everybody do your own thing. That's how I yeah. live. Yeah. See. Uh, all right. Uh, do we got time for one more or no? Yeah, we got time for one more. Go ahead. Okay. Come on, Linz. Give us one more. So a social media influencer named Song Gia has issued an apology through her Instagram for wearing replica luxury goods on a Netflix dating show. So Song was a popular contestant on the show. Singing wait, wait, wait. Inferno. So let, let me explain. The, let me let me ask a question here. So basically, if if like she had like a coach purse, it was more like a goach purse. Yes. Apparently, like instead, of pra, instead of Prada shoes, it would be Prado. Well, they were they were actual replicas. So I guess she was seen wearing like high end things like Chanel, Louis Vuitton. That were being passed off as actual the actual things. Yes. And then okay. a lot of internet sleuths and viewers called her out on social media saying, like, that's not actually Christian Dior and that's not actually Chanel. And like, you know, posting pictures of the differences between the real things and the replicas. Mm -hmm. So, you know, obviously people calling her out prompted her apology post. So, See, I would never be able to tell the difference, to be frank with you, off a TV screen or whatever, but whatever. Wait, but in person things... you could tell the difference between a real Louis Vuitton and a fake no, Louis Vuitton? I mean, no, I couldn't either there, but I mean, these people are doing it off a screen, so I would even less so there, sure. Yeah, certain things I don't think I'd be able to tell, but I think there's some that are obvious, and if this woman is knowingly going on TV and, like, wearing obvious knockoffs, then she's not that smart, but... I wanted to ask you guys if, if, you know, just doing this in general, a reality TV star wearing fake luxury items on screen, is it a big deal or no deal? I'm going no deal. Me I too. Mean, I mean, really? Uh, first of all, when it comes to all these sorts of things, you'll have to excuse me. Louis Vuitton uh, or all these like big name Prada, Gucci. To me, that all is Italian for waste of money. What? You know, like seriously, like the cost of these bags. Is just ridiculous. Now you Which sound like the the kid from the Cowboys who uh, asked for the bag back yeah. from uh, from Come his on. girlfriend. Who, who needs you, a three thousand dollar purse? Who really needs a Come on, who needs a three thousand dollar purse? Really? I mean, I I don't, but I'm I'm much more simple. So, well, that's me. I'm a I'm a simple man with a simple life, George. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. All right. That is uh, the end of Big Deal No Deal each and every day at six thirty. Coming up next. I got to ask you some football questions, Captain, because we had what some people are deeming a great football weekend. I don't know how I feel about that. I got to be honest with you. We'll get to that in just a second. I love the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Yeah. I, I quote his line. Everyone has a price all the time when talking about contracts in uh, on on radio and TV here at ESPN. I love using that line. Um and it always gets a kick out of people in the audience because I think that he was a memorable character back in the day. A million yeah, clearly man. not not a million dollar man, considering you know he doesn't know the difference or doesn't think designer goods are a thing. Yeah, it just Gucci means Italian for expensive. Well, you guys, again, you you got to understand. I come with these opinions from a place of bitterness. Let's just be clear on that, okay? 
when you're married to someone who has like a purse addiction and is coming home with Pradas and Gucci smoochies and, and Louis Vuittons. And Gucci then, smoochie, is that like a different line? I think that's yeah, what the is fake a Gucci line. smoochie? I think, yeah, I think that's the fake line. And, um, and you realized years later, like, oh, my God, the diaper bag was a Prada bag, which I didn't even know what that was, and now I find out how expensive that bag is. How so, much was the bag? It was stupid. I mean, it's like $750 for a diaper <laughs> bag. I mean, it's dumb, right? Come on. That is ridiculous. Yeah. And I agree I agree with your assessment that this comes from bitterness. <laughs> yes, it does, Linz. No, it but does. $750 for a diaper bag, as someone who has kids and uh, knows what it's like to have a diaper bag, you know, like is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> now, that one I'll agree with you on. But, hey, listen, teach their own, you know. Baskin-Robbins. Kids, for those of you that don't know, uh, I don't know if there. I would imagine there's still some Baskin Robbins out there. Uh, you know, used is an ice cream company uh, who used to make 31 flavors, or may still make 31 flavors. And I used to. This is a dated reference now. You say Baskin Robbins makes 31 flavors for a reason. You know what I mean? Like everyone's got a different flavor. Is that the number 31? Yeah, they're still around. I get Baskin Robbins all the time. You okay, do? I don't know. I mean, yeah. I don't know if they do. They I know still everybody got goes to Col- 31 flavors. Good. It's I know delicious. everyone goes. Goes to Cold Stone all the time now ew. or whatever. Yeah. What do you mean, ill? You don't like Cold Stone? I'm not a huge, again, not a huge. I'm the weirdest fat girl you guys will ever meet. I'm not huge <laughs> on cake. Like I'm not on like yeah. ice cream. <laughs> yeah. But um, Thrifty's <laughs> is the best. Who is? Thrifty's ice cream. Oh, yeah? You think so? Yeah, I think so. After, mm. I know there's like an afters ice cream, which I think it's overpriced ice cream like Cold Stone. I don't know. Thrifty's my, my jam if I go. Anyway. My wife loves the stuff at Rite Aid, that old yeah, thrifty. school oh, yeah. soft serve. Right yeah, Aid that's thrifty, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the same thing. Yeah. I got like one little freezer. I got like yeah. five or six different ice creams in there. Yeah. Cones. Yeah, yeah. No, but they have the soft serve there. Oh, they do? At Rite Aid, yeah. Oh, I thought it was all from the uh, the, the, the bucket of, of ice cream. No, no, they have soft serve there too. And then yeah, my wife also loves Costco, like pizza and hot dogs. Like it's weird. Like she, She's cool. <laughs> hey, listen, I saw your She's wife cool. earlier tonight, George. She posted a tweet that she had made dinner for the kids, but the kids were upstairs and they were behaving and they were quiet. So rather than bother them and have them come down and eat, let them stay up there. And she posted this picture of like a Mickey Mouse like plate where yeah. the pizza's in the middle and there's vegetables mm-hmm. on the side and the ears. Yeah. Let me tell you something. I don't know where that pizza was from, and I don't know if she microwaved it or baked it. Frozen from Trader Joe's. Let me tell you. Look, yeah. look bomb AF. Yeah, it's uh, probably done in the toaster oven is my guess. That's interesting because um, when I walked out there like around 545, I was to the I went to the restroom and all of a sudden I heard, stop it, Aria. No, stop it, Mateo. And I had to walk out there and go, what the hell's going on out here? Yeah, lay down the law. You're like the Kurt Rambis of your family. And I was like, what's the problem? I want this toy. I want that toy. And I was like, listen, that's your sister. Be nice. Okay. Okay. Well, that's that's your brother. Right Be there. nice. Okay. Okay. And then I left and everything <laughs> was fine. That is solid parenting. By the way, speaking of solid parenting, tell me this. How did the uh, seven-year-old girls basketball team do okay, on Sunday, so, Coach um, Sedano? We went well. It did pretty well. Um, so, you know, I filled in for the coach because he was unavailable on Sunday. Uh, and uh, I thought we did okay. We had a little bit of uh, turmoil to start the game. Oh, no, what happened? F- four nothing in the first half. Oh, wow. Uh, four baskets to nothing. Then, uh, you know, I made some substitutions, mm-hmm. um, and then, uh, you know, we were able to get back in the game. We actually tied the game Wow. Um, at, at six, and then uh, we lost seven to six. But oh. we, had a, we had a great effort. Uh, the girls had a blast. Um and uh, everyone uh, did pretty well and wow. we were shorthanded uh, on top of that we didn't have we didn't have very many um, we only had six girls 
Um, so we, we did our best, and well, uh, but I mean, they had fun. Your basketball team is dealing with what every other basketball team is dealing with right now, whether yeah, it's NBA, right. college. We had a shortage of players, yeah, yeah, right. but we don't have a hardship exemption uh, like the NBA does. There's no developmental league for seven-year-old no, girls that no, you can there's just no pull G up a league player? for six- and seven-year-olds. There's no. no Stanley Johnson to come out and play and nope. help? Nope, nope, nope. So, no but we did contracts. okay. We had fun, and, you know, I taught them a few things. Um, you know, like, you know, I worked on a few things with them that they had some fun with. Um, and we had some fun cheers, like when we all had hands in, you know. Instead of doing, like, the team name, we'd do silly things like, uh, all right, on three, one, two, three, cookies, you know, like whatever, you know. <laughs> I don't know. We just, all right, that's cool. I asked everyone what their favorite snack was, and we would just switch it off uh, every time we did hands in. You know, we'd just do everyone's favorite snack. Uh, so, What's the know, name whatever. of the team, by the way? You know what? I don't even remember uh, what the really? name of the team is, to be frank with you. It's on my e it's in my email somewhere, but I don't know. So I think that's the reason I also did that, because I didn't remember off the top of my head. <laughs> so instead, I said, instead of doing the teams, what's everybody's favorite snack? And then we did that. I um, forgot the name of the team. <laughs> yeah. So Hey, man, listen, I'm just sitting in as the interim coach for a game. It's not, you know. Um, real quick, do you think it was a good football weekend? Because I don't. Well, I mean, I mean, it was good for the Rams. Don't get me wrong, and stinky for the Raiders. They got screwed. But overall, like as a viewing experience, well, okay, you're asking the wrong guy because you're asking a football junkie. Someone but there were a bunch of blowouts. No, there, there's no doubt. Listen, the Rams game last night, great if you're a Rams fan, correct, but not entertaining per se if you if no. you don't have anything involved in the game. It was entertaining for like a quarter and a half, basically. Right. Okay, listen. When you look at the, the, the way the NFL has expanded the playoffs, right, the two-seed, Tampa Bay, annihilates the seven-seed, Philadelphia. In the AFC, the two-seed, Kansas City, destroys the seven-seed, Pittsburgh, which makes you think, well, if they didn't have a seventh seed, then we'd be getting better quality football across all the games. But on the other hand, two games Saturday, three games Sunday, and a Monday night football playoff game – to me, football junkie, it was an amazing weekend. Even if even if the games weren't, George, back to the beginning of today's well, show. I turned off that Patriots Bills game in after like the uh, you first. You know why? Because yeah. it wasn't again. Back to the beginning of the show. We're going to expand our vocabulary today. The Saras Day. It just wasn't compelling. Correct. Okay. Not just it wasn't just not interesting. I wasn't fascinated by it. Okay. Um, it wasn't provocative. Yeah. Was not compelling football. Yeah, I just thought the overall weekend was meh. I mean, there well, were some great games in there, but overall, as a viewing product, meh. I got to say, though, this weekend, and I know it's only Tuesday. It should be you, great. Right. It, it, on paper, it looks fantastic. I mean, Kansas City-Buffalo looks yeah. incredible. I mean, Niners, Packers, those two teams have history. Well, Obviously, the, the Rams and Tampa should be fun. Yeah. But the, the Niners-Packers. and you I got again, 10 seconds, by okay, the way. Okay, hey, the Niners could win, the Rams could win, and the Rams could host the NFC Championship game. Yeah. By the way, happy birthday, Jason Siegel, who's not the guy from uh, whatever he said. It's the guy from How I Met Your Mother. American Kevin, Pie. Um, yeah, it's not from American Pie. And Kevin Costner. I have a great Kevin Costner story that I will tell you tomorrow, but we're done. Uh, I'm going to read what Lindsay has here because it's funny. Lakers talk with Diva Sliwa. Ooh, that rhymes. I like that. Uh, Diva Sliwa. Ooh, he's got, he was going to talk about like the jazz and how great a win that was, and now all he's got is coach stuff to talk about. I mean, maybe he'll mix it up. We'll see. But listen in for Lakers talk. That's next. Great job, Kaplan, Lindsay, and Laura. We'll talk to you mañana. See ya.